Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we are in the third piece of a series that we've just simply called Step Up Playlist. And I know that's a slightly awkward um, concept, slightly awkward name, Step Up Playlist, uh, but that's exactly what the Psalms of Ascent are. They're, first off, all of Psalms is a playlist. And so it is this list of songs that express every part of our relationship with God. Some of the places of deep frustration, every emotion you can we have as humans gets expressed and dealt with in a, in a positive, life-giving, God-honoring manner in the Psalms. And so joy, frustration, fear, all of these different things get expressed and get dealt with in a positive way. And so this is this, it is this beautiful thing. If you're, if you're new to Christianity, you take your paper Bible and you let it open right in the middle, you're going to fall right into Psalms. It's just, it's just right in the middle of your, of your Bible found in the Old Testament. But in the middle of this playlist, there's this sub-playlist. It's a playlist within, within a playlist. And um, this series that we're looking at is we're touching on the Psalms of Ascent. And the Psalms of Ascent are Psalm 120 through 134. It's 15 psalms, and they're super short. They're super short. And so um, we're going to read an entire one today. You're going to get a, a whole, you're going to read an entire chapter of the Bible t- this morning. And so, so we're going to do that. And in that, these psalms of ascent were, were written and created for two different purposes. One of the purposes was as the, the people of God in general, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people, that they would come in multiple times in the year to the feast days. And Israel was a, was a, I mean, Jerusalem was a city set up on a hill. So no matter where you lived in Israel, whenever you were coming in for one of the feast days, you were ascending, you were walking up and coming up. And these were songs that they would sing, really short, easy to memorize, and that they were songs to refocus them on what it meant to come before a covenant God who loves them and is for them and involved in their lives. Because we all know that our brains can go all sorts of different directions. The, the Levites, the clan of the, the Hebrews, the tribe, who their job was to take care of the temple and all of the temple worship and all the aspects of that. There were 15 steps up into the temple. And these were short enough for them to sing and to quote as they were going up the steps. And they would refocus them and get them in the right headspace so that they weren't thinking about all sorts of other things. They were, their, their brains were going in the right direction. And as we've done this series, my, the first thing I want you to grab a hold of is first and foremost, you know how to do this. You've, you've made playlists before. You've done the mixtapes. You've done the thing. You've wanted to set the mood for something. And when we kicked the series off, we talked about the workout playlist. So you get, get pumped up and get going. We talked about the romance playlist to set the mood and, and get love in the air. And we talked about all of the different kinds of playlists. And you do it and you know that it works. So let's take this proven concept that's actually biblical and let's begin to harness this purposefully in our lives because there's, there's a war uh, raging and being waged against 
our minds and our thoughts to try to get us off base. And so this week, as we're about to, to step into this, if you've got your Version app open, you've got the bulletin we handed you on the way in, um, then this is where you begin to, to track along with us. And we've, we've jumped off with this concept over and over again, that, that God is drawing us higher and what we think about plays a huge role in where we go. And this is just absolutely vital. And today's psalm of ascent um, that we're going to be getting into, it, it has its own playlist. Because this psalm, this psalm deals with the weight of regret, with being sorry, with recognizing that you've messed up and you've blown it and you need forgiveness. And you, if you were to take your phone and build a playlist just from music that's out there in our culture, then you might would build this playlist. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way, your little share going. Uh-oh. The beavers are in the house. And so and all that is, you know, is it, is it too late now to say sorry? That thing with if I could turn back time, if, if I, I just want to say sorry. And, and then in this next thing, this next song, you maybe were afraid that it was too late. But here, here's from my favorite band of all time. This is what reigns. So this is this week's playlist. As we get into dealing with the weight of regret and feeling sorry, and, and getting trapped in that place of regret. We've looked at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and in that, um, we, I want to come back to this, because this is Paul recognizing that this, is, this part is vital. Let's look at Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We talked about last week that, that this truth that's, that's shown here, that we have to set our hearts. We have to choose where to set them because if we just try to be led by our hearts, let's just be led by our hearts. But guess what? Our heart may want something that's not healthy, our heart may all of a sudden be drawn in a direction that's not of God. That's why Paul writes to believers and says, set your heart. Choose those directions. Make sure your heart's desires are things that line up with God. And then to set your mind, the, the way you begin to, to put together the strategies and plans to be able to execute and, and go after these things. And it's, it's so important that we embrace this concept and that we understand that we need to set our hearts and our minds. Years ago, I was a, 
um, youth pastor, and uh, we got a, um, a building over on Beauregard, and it was, uh, it was an old movie theater. I apparently have things for movie theaters. And um, so we had an old movie theater, and um, the uh, parking lot um, had been um, restriped and redone and been neglected, um, kind of like our parking lot out, out here. It's kind of guesswork is where you park. Where there was, you would pull into the parking lot there, and there were three sets of, of stripes, and they would go in slightly different directions and slightly different angles, but there was three sets of them. So as you were the first one to drive in, you didn't know which one was the right one. So you would just, somebody would just pick a set to follow, and they would pick that set to follow. Well, guess what? Now the pattern was set. So the next person that came in would usually not decide to pick an entirely different set. They would go, okay, this one is laid out, so I'm going to come in and I'm going to follow, and now I know where I'm going to go. But there were multiple choices initially, but when that first one was chosen, then now everything else began to fall in line according to that first pattern. It wasn't the only choice to be made, but once that first choice was made, then you can begin to fall in line with the rest of that. Folks, that's what you and I have to do. There's so many things our minds can be set on. There's so many different things. But we got to say, God, what is it that you have said to me? What is it that you want for my life? And we begin to set our initial mind and heart there. And you'll be amazed at how the rest of your thoughts begin to align with that thought. As we begin to do that, it is so incredibly important that we do that. And as we begin to, to, to look at this next psalm, let's go ahead and look at Psalm 130. Psalm 130, verse 1, the song of ascents. Out of the depths I cried to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sin, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than watchman waits for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So here is this, this psalm that begins with this place of regret, that this crying out from the deep, this wanting and needing, this place of mercy. When someone cries out for mercy, they recognize that they've done something wrong. I have put myself in this hole. I have created this mess that I am in, and I need some mercy. Lord, if you kept a record of wrong, nobody could stand. Nobody can. If you kept a record of wrong, nobody would be able to do this. And then he begins to remind himself of who God is. But God, but God, with you there's forgiveness. And that's what makes you worthy of all. Because you wouldn't have to. You wouldn't have to forgive. You choose to forgive. And so this place, as we see this, that if we stop early and there's, we get in this pit 
of despair, we get in this mess of regret. That regret can be one of these things that chokes the life out of us. Guilt is this horrible, terrible thing that begins to suck the life out of everything. And folks, that's why the good news of the gospel is that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. There have been so many people in years past who have stood up in the place as a minister and used guilt as a way to begin to manipulate people and try to get people to respond to God when that's not even what God does. That's not even His M.O. It's His kindness and it is goodness. In fact, here in the Old Testament, here it says, with you there is forgiveness. And that is what makes us be able to serve you with reverence and awe. It's not because we're guilty. It's not because, oh my goodness, if, you know, we're, we, we've done all this bad stuff and this is just right that we would have to come in and, and pay this back to you, Lord, through, through servitude and groveling and all that. That's not what God wants. God wants children free and liberated and loving Him and enjoying Him and connected with Him and having a family. He doesn't want a bunch of beat down, whipped down servants. He wants a family. And to have that, it requires forgiveness. You know the lifeblood of any good family is forgiveness? Every family around has tons of reasons to be mad and upset and sideways. Every family. At some point, they decided to term this, this concept of term of a dysfunctional family. You and I have never met a functional family. <laughs> I never met one. I grew up in a great family, but we had our issues and we had our problems. I love my kids and I love my family, but we have our problems too. We have our stuff. <laughs> I've never met a functional family. But you know what? I've been a part and seen some loving, wonderful, great families. And you know what? Is the stuff that, that takes, a, takes a family from being miserably dysfunctional to cheerfully dysfunctional? <laughs> it's forgiveness. Yeah. It's forgiveness. It's having some space and some love and an ability to connect and be able to move forward. This place of unforgiveness creates a wedge. And God himself said, I will not let there be a wedge. So God himself starts the forgiveness process. He changes everything. But we have to recognize it. Years ago, Cutie and I were leading a college group and had a couple who had, uh, were dating at the time. And they were uh, coming and man, we were teaching on the goodness and the grace of God and, and who Jesus is and what he's done. And, and one day they said, hey, can we stay after? We want to we visit with you guys. And so we're like, sure. So we did. And... and uh, there was no place that this young lady had any problems with the theology that we were talking about. She had head knowledge that God was good. She had head knowledge that those things, and she ascribed to that, but there was this place inside her own soul that she was so full of guilt and regret that there was this place that it just seemed like it couldn't be there. And there was a, she had been a part of a, of, a, of a horrible thing gone wrong, and she just happened to be in the middle of this 
of this thing, and, and a little child lost his life. And she, it wasn't her fault, but she was there. And the guilt of that and the remembrance of that crippled her. And it was one of those things that she just could not, she could not get a hold of the goodness and the love of God. Because it was one of those things that she just, the, the guilt and the stuff made it feel like she was kind of paying for that. That it was like, yeah, God's good, but I don't deserve it. You don't, you don't get to, now you're putting yourself the judge. You don't get to decide whether or not you deserve the, the goodness and the, the forgiveness of God. He's the one that chooses that. He's the one. And I'm telling you, this thing, if, as long as we did it, when she finally released that guilt, man, I tell you what, it came out with tears and it came out with, with all of this, this stuff and it just all that that the enemy had tried to create this anchor to keep her stuck right where she was at. All of a sudden, it began to release and there was a joy released into that young lady's life. And then all of a sudden, that guilt came off of her, and she was able to embrace the goodness of God and grow in the goodness of God, and it changed everything. But this guilt will just kill us. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He's just not very baits us in to doing some stupid thing, something that's hurtful to ourselves and hurtful to someone else, and then uses that same thing. To bring guilt and condemnation on us. You know what the word Satan means? It means accuser. It means accuser. It doesn't mean evil, bad, pitchfork guy. It means accuser. That's what it is. It comes and accuses and accuses and accuses. And brings this weight of, of guilt and shame into our lives, that if we begin to look at that, it will begin to create a wedge between us and God. Folks, we need to remind ourselves that God is forgiving. As we come to worship him, as these people were, these, these Levites were walking up the steps, they are ascending the 15 steps to the temple, they are reminding themselves that maybe they, as a Levite, had had a rough week. Maybe they're saying as they're walking up to serve God, out of the depths I cry to you. These are ministers. This is what they do, and they're the ones crying this out. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sin, Lord, who could stand? We're the ones here to, 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 to do all of the work of the temple and the worship. And Lord, if you kept a record of wrong, we couldn't be here. God, we couldn't be here. But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. So whether you're part of one of those groups traveling down the various roads, coming into one of the feast days and one of the holy days, and coming up there to the, to the city set on a hill, that you're remembering, remembering that it's because of your goodness and your forgiveness that with reverence we can serve you. We are coming in not because we're so awesome, but because you're so awesome. Yeah. We're here not, not because we're doing our duty, Lord, and we're coming in and we've walked away from our fields and our livestock and we've traveled across Israel and we're here for the holy day. And man, we're doing it right. No, it's because you're forgiving and you're awesome. 
And that's why we can even be here. And we can walk into this city today and we can begin to serve you and do that. We can walk up these steps and serve you as a, as a tribe set apart for service. Folks, you and I, as we begin to approach God, we need to remember. We need to remember no matter what has gone on this week, whether we did it on a, blindly and we stumbled into stupidity and sin, or, man, we put it on our checklist that day. You know what? I'm going to cuss out my employer. <laughs> bop, 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 bop. Check. <laughs> Done. Oh, Lord, I cussed out my employer. <laughs> Lord, I'm in this pit of despair. I need mercy and forgiveness. Sometimes we're that willful. Most of it we blunder into. But with him, there is forgiveness. And it changes everything. It changes everything. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Colossians 2 verse 13 says, When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. That means you had no covenant with God. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. He's canceled the legal indebtedness. So many times we, we see this from the wrong aspect. This, this thing of legal indebtedness. Anybody who owns a, has a, a mortgage on your house, you have a legal indebtedness. Okay, And one, that bank can sell that legal indebtedness to someone else. Some of you have got a letter in the mail and says, okay, now your mortgage payment is going over here and where it used to go over here. Well, what happened is they transferred the legal indebtedness. You're still in debt. You still owe every cent. You still have to pay every payment. You're just now paying it to somebody else. So many times we think that if we have the wrong mindset, that all of a sudden that now we are this, this debt of sin and shame, that God paid the price and now we owe it to him. So now we have this new debt of servitude and, and coming and doing all the right thing. We've got this debt that now instead of paying it back and, and the, you know, the, the old karma, what goes around, comes around and we're trapped in that messed up. Well, now Jesus paid it and now I owe it to him. No, look how beautiful this is. He canceled it. He canceled it. He said, I don't want you coming in here and I don't serving me out of some sort of obligation. I love you. I did not build you to, be, to live under that weight. Ripped up. Now you're free to love. Now you're free to serve. Now you're free to be who God created you to be. But if that legal indebtedness hung against us, all we are is a debtor of another kind. That is not what he created us to be. Next thing we need to do is we need to remember that a new day is here. A new day is here. If you've read through Genesis at all, 
You start in Genesis 1. Anybody's like, I'm so ready to read the Bible all the way through. Crack open Genesis and you at least get this far. You at least get this far, okay? Genesis 1.5. You at least get this far, okay? And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Doesn't that seem weird? There was evening and there was morning the first day. You and I, we don't do it that way. The sun comes up and we're like, it's a new day. It's a new day. We know the, the old Annie song, and the sun will come out tomorrow. We know the song. It's, that, it's gonna, that daybreak starts a new day. That's not the way it works. Here you go all the way through it. It was evening and morning the first day. Any of you who are familiar with Jewish custom know that the, the Sabbath, the, the day of rest, it starts on Friday when the sun goes down. It starts on evening and rolls through until the next evening. Well, this is written... The Psalms are written to Jews by Jews that understood evening and morning was the way the day worked. Now let's look at the rest of this Psalm. It says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. We could just camp there all day long. In his word, I put my hope. In his word, I put my hope. In his word, I put my hope. Man, there's... It says, but I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. So here it is. There's this dark period of time. And he's waiting for the sun to come up. And from our western mindset, from our good old West Texas mindset, we're, we think he's waiting for a new day. He's not waiting for a new day, folks. The new day started at his shift as the watchman at night, the new day's already here. He's just looking for the full glory of the new day. That's all he's looking for. He's not looking for something new to start. He's already in it. How beautiful that the Jewish people, when they wake up in the morning, the darkness of that day was already gone. They slept through it. You and I, we sit there and the darkness is always coming. We wake up in the morning and say, oh, it's pretty right now, but the darkness of today is going to show up. It's going to show up. The darkness is going to show up. No, in the Jewish mindset, that they slept through it. The darkness of that day, it's behind them. All that's left in that day is nothing but sun and shine and, and activity and doing what they were called to do. That was what was ahead of them. The darkness was already behind them. Folks, if you're in, an, in the middle of a dark time, you don't need to sit there and go, man, I need some new thing to happen. I need a new day to dawn. Guess what? Your new day's already here. Yeah, you need to be looked for the glory of it. You need to look for the light of it to show up. It is here. It is already here. I love this, man. I'd never seen this before until studying for this message. Let's look at Luke chapter 1. Never seen Jesus as the rising sun. I'd never seen this. If you're familiar with Zechariah, this is John the Baptist's dad. Zechariah runs his mouth and is full of doubt, and, and he, he gets shut up where he can't, he's mute. 
for the rest of um, his wife's pregnancy. And um, that was the only time a woman wanted to deliver late. That was the only time. You're like, this man can't talk while I'm praying. Show you, buddy. And so she was like, a couple extra weeks, Lord. We'll just let John the Baptist cook a little more. And so, but he was born. Mom said, let's name him John. Everybody's saying, we can't name him John. There's nobody named John in your family. And Zechariah, dad, writes down and says, his name is John. He backed mom. Name John. And when he says his name is John, writes it down, his, 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 his tongue is loosed. And he begins to praise God and to, and to glory in God there with his newborn baby, there with his son. And these are the first words after just the, the outburst of praise. These are the first words that, that, that come out of his mouth. And here in Luke chapter 1, verse 76, it says, You, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. That was his assignment, to prepare the way of the Lord. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sin. Your sins are going to be forgiven. And he's given them knowledge. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. He said, so you're coming because God's going to send the rising sun from heaven. He's going to send it. And I love it in English. That is so good. The rising sun. <laughs> Not only is it that, but he rose from the grave. The sun rose. So I love play on words. So um, it didn't say that in the Greek that way. <laughs> It's just English, it works. But uh, anyway, so here it is, the rising sun. So how do you and I take this psalm that the watchman, the, the new day's already here, even when it's dark, we know the new day's already here. How do we apply this? Folks, we apply this, but we aren't looking and out here looking for the sun to pop its head up. What we're looking for is where, where, where do we see Jesus at work? Where is Jesus rising up? In the middle of our darkness, what should we be looking for? We should be looking for God at work. We should be looking for Jesus. We should be looking for that rising sun. We should be seeing him in every place we can. And then the last thing we want to look at this morning is that the good news is that God redeems us himself. That he does it himself. He doesn't lay out this plan for us to go execute and get it done. He redeems us himself. Psalm 130, verse 7 and 8 says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. It means everything being put back the way it should be. Full redemption. It's full value. Folks, you were created in the image of God. And you being fully redeemed is you fully revealing the nature of God you were created to reveal. And he who doesn't want to let up or slow down until that is fully done in your life. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. He himself will do it. How amazing is it that God is forgiving? But how much more amazing is it that he does it himself? And of course, we see this in 2 Corinthians 5, 18. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself 
in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He does the work. Folks, here is our bottom line today, that forgiveness frees us to fully live. Forgiveness frees us to fully live, to fully be who we're wired to be. It's not this thing of of a shifting of indebtedness. It's not this thing of us just living in regret and and, and through sheer regret and sorrow trying to change our lives. It's being free to love and free to, to be who God created us to be. Folks, Christ centered thinking takes us to Christ like living. That's where it takes us, it changes everything. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.